Losers always whine about doing their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Dude, right, we're dude. on fire. We're, we're on we're fire. Up, I'm feeling warm. I'm, I'm getting I'm a little good, sweaty. Man. Let's do this. Here we go. Gear Buds episode 130. That's a nice number. Really 130. Nice. Number. My name's Henry. That's Dave. What's up? We're Gear Buds and we're going to do a podcast that we do every week. Here we go. Here is a symphony of corrections and your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you for listening to this. As always, we love you and want to touch your butt. Uh, in a in a, a consensual friendly way, friendly way. Yes. or sexual if you're into that too uh follow us on instagram and facebook subscribe on spotify and apple in those places we've got a correction for the symphony of corrections no. this week dave uh, yes we screwed up well i will tell you that and it was a listener correction who uh, called in our good friend steve to we, let us know we do appreciate these, we oh please if yeah. you ever have corrections for us hit us up we've got facebook Instagram DM us. We've got an email address. At we will respond. Gearbuds podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. And Steve let us know that first of all, he was very, very excited to hear us talking about the Elliot Smith documentary that he had also seen and loved. But he wanted to let us know that Elliot Smith did not win an Oscar. It actually went to. He just to, performed at the Oscars. He did perform and he was nominated as well. But the best original um, song honor went to Dion Sung, James Horner and Will Jennings, who wrote the Titanic tune. My heart will go on. I mean, so you're competing with... You're not going to fucking beat Celine Dion, man. No, I'm sorry. No. I don't care who it is. That no. song is just one of the greatest, biggest songs of all it time. It is, man. Um, so that well, was that. Well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, and I apologize for uh, misrepresenting that. Dude, but, I love uh, it. No, you did it on purpose just to get listener engagement. Uh, true. But the article that I read about it mentioned that he did, however, win over countless new fans. And provided by far one of the most surreal moments in Oscar music history. So having Elliot Smith on the Oscars was a very big deal. Probably one of the most intimate performances on an Oscar. And to your point that you made while listening or while speaking to that in episode 129, which you should go back and listen to, uh, it's crazy that they didn't spend more time talking about it in the documentary. It was such a big moment. Such they a brushed right over crazy thing in uh, Oscar Academy Awards history, and they just brushed right past. And again, I will playing. say, like they didn't explain how he got into that or how, like, who he talked to. So there was some kind of cover up going on. Totally, it's really strange. So that's that. Oh, also, I want to give a shout out. This is this was kind of interesting, and it, you know, I was a little stressed about it at first, but I think it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Steve Gadlin from the Fart Pedal reached out, which we talked about last week. What's up, Steve? And yeah, what's up, man? Thank you for reaching out first of all, because while I think we were fair and balanced, we didn't necessarily say very kind things about this. We new didn't uh, shit on the pedal. Pun intended. Pun intended. However, we were honest about the fact that we thought that perhaps the design was a little misguided, we'll mm-hmm. say. And he actually reached out in a very cool way of him, I would yeah. say, and and was and listened and was like and thanked us for talking about it, addressed some of our concerns, mm-hmm. mentioned that. So I think one of the main things that you and I had said is that we would like it if it tracked pitch right if it wasn't yeah, just triggering just, fart sounds mm-hmm, exactly and he did clarify that it, all the videos are real it's not like it was it's not somebody spitting, uh, spitting raspberries into a, microphone. into a microphone it was actually them recording through a guitar amp or direct so that that's all legit however he did say that version two which they're already talking about will track some farts to pitch so that's the thing we might even have him on he offered to jump on the show i think that might be cool to just to have I a would chat love with it. him you could do a fellow chicago guy in, he whatever, can come yeah. hang out he can bring a fart pedal for us to try out It'd be fun 
Uh, so we might do that. And I just want to say thanks because it, you know, it's, it's his business. It's his, it's his passion. Uh, perhaps I don't know how passionate one is about that specifically, but he's a serial entrepreneur and I give yeah. him credit for that. And the fact that he addressed our criticism head on and, 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 and even offered himself up to have a discussion, I think it says a lot about him yeah. and I'm, I'm now a, a bigger fan of his than I was before. Same here. So do that. If we ever shit on your product listeners, and you want Feel us to, to talk about it yeah. some more? Fucking, I think we try to be it. fair and open on this. Totally, forum, you know, and we don't we don't shit on things. We're just we used our to shit on things, especially in the beginning of the show. And I think that we learned and grew from that. Well, and and it's okay to have an opinion about something. Of course, I think we have to be fair at all times. Yeah, and and we call it like we see it. It's our mm-hmm. podcast, so if you don't like that, you can go uh, sniff some farts. I still stand by the fact that it does sound like somebody is farting their mouth into a microphone it does and maybe that's how it sounds which live. might be you know that might be a positive maybe it's maybe it's a good thing that it actually is recognizable as a fart dude if you want to come by we'll plug it through the balthazar and oh we'll, my god we'll play that thing and i want to hear it, it you know it's gonna hard, be hard to make a balty sound bad but you know i think if, <laughs> if, if anything can it's some farts well, you're more than welcome on man all right here's here come here's something from one of our friends and former guests and listeners a story that he shared with us shout out stingray uh did you happen to click on that link that he sent us about Tony Iommi? I saw it late. I saw it like a day later. So uh, I'm just going to get into this quick little news story here. I would say this is this is a GFI personally. Super cool. Uh, a newly discovered eel-like creature that slithered across the seas some 469 million years ago has been named after the high priest of heavy metal, Black Sabbath guitar- guitarist Tony Iommi. The it, the uh, name of this thing is Drepanoistidus Iommi was found near a Russian river by a team of Scandinavian scientists who happen to be metal fans as well. Quote, It is my way of honoring one of the greatest guitarists in the world and one of the greatest bands of all time, Mats Erickson, a professor of paleontology at Lund University in Sweden, said in an email to NBC News. He's already immortalized in the music history books and now also in science with this fossil bearing his name. Can you imagine being one of the most just coolest, badass guitarists of all time and then also having a fucking extinct creature named after you. I think that's it's what a what a tribute, you know. If you were to have any sort of extinct animal named after mm. you in perpetuity, what would you choose? I guess I'm, you know, it doesn't have to be like a specific thing, but maybe yeah. like a family of of an, plant or animal. Well, yeah, I'm trying to think go down the list of extinct animals in my yeah. head right now. Um I mean, or or something that's going to be extinct, yeah. maybe you know, like a, like a rare albino hippopotamus. Would be mm, wow, attractive that's animal. that's interesting. Yeah. I I hadn't thought about this until I just asked you that question. I I mean, <laughs> clearly I'm a cat boy, so I kind of would like maybe some sort of like saber tooth tiger or something like oh, that. Oh, that's a good call. I'm also my. I feel that my spirit animal is a polar bear. So unfortunately, polar bears are very rapidly approaching extinction right now. So. And it just so happens that they're white, and my last name Bianco means white, so you oh. could call it something Bianco. Well, I feel like I have to Bianco. retract mine now because, like, you uh, on, officially on are the white. Yeah, I mean, you've got the white in your. So name. I kind of want that. What about like a bald eagle? Just to take the most American thing in the world. Yeah, just go straight America. I do have that Martin with a bald eagle inlaid into the headstock. That would be pretty sick. It's a pretty cool creature, man. You you know, dude, I was thinking because you've talked about your your like uh, your lizard brain before. I mean, yep. You should be a kind of dinosaur. Yeah. I think so. Like a cold like blooded. some like yeah, some sort of cold blooded like <laughs> fucking 
but it, but it has to be a meat eater. Like you can't get one of those like herbivores. Maybe like one of those snakes that has like the diamond on its head or something like that. I don't that. know what that is. I don't know, like a black mamba or something. Oh, like dude. I did just watch Black Widow last night for the What's first that? time. It's a Marvel movie, the Scarlett Johansson character. Oh. Yeah, it was one of the ones that I missed that was like sort of in theaters but now is on uh Disney Plus. I will say I definitely liked it more than that new James Bond movie that we shared on for the first however long in this which episode. Which we will not include. Yeah, in which I'll probably, I'm sure that's going to get cut filled out. Filled with spoiler alerts. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, interesting. I want to finish this up, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the discovery dates to the <clears throat> Ordovician period, which, frankly, I don't know that I've ever heard of that. <clears throat> A 41.6 million year era during which the oceans were dominated by the ancestors of today's sea urchins and starfish and a variety of species known as conodunts, like the one named after Iomi. Uh, they had spines and a tooth-like apparatus through which they fed but did not have jaws. Eventually, they went extinct. Finally, I just want to add, I didn't know this. Iomi, who's 73 years old and a cancer survivor, by the way, wow, is currently gearing up to play on the next solo album of Ozzy Osbourne. That's They're amazing. They're working on a new record. Or I, maybe are about to work on a new record. I'll be, I didn't know he was still alive. That's fucking fantastic. I, I did because I watched that uh, Gibson Icons, which was boring, yeah. uh, but... I'm excited to know that he's still playing and that he's going to make some music with Ozzy. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, so we'll definitely have to wow. check back in on that. How have we not talked about that? Right. Here we go. Here's another story. Actually, might this might have also been shared to us by Stingray. He's just feeding the symphony these he days. He does keep the thread going. Uh, he, and I th- I'm thankful He's kind of like that. the fifth Beatle. You know, he just keeps it going. He is our Pete Best. <laughs> Or well, I guess the fifth Beatle is probably technically uh, uh, some people. Would oh, say Billy, uh, Billy Preston, Billy Preston, there you go. Here we go. So this this was actually exciting for me uh, because I will say that in my first band that I or a band, my first jam session that I ever had as like a eleven year old or something, we played one of this man's songs. So Randy Bachman is set to be reunited with his nineteen fifty seven Gretsch sixty one twenty Chet Atkins guitar. After 45 years spent apart. That's cool. So there, this I don't know if you read this article. This is super interesting. The instrument was stolen from his hotel at a Holiday Inn in Toronto back in 1976. They are Canucks after all, or his band was. Mm-hmm. Only for it to recently resurface in Tokyo as part of the collection of Japanese guitarist Takeshi, who I guess he's like a very famous rockabilly musician in Japan. Okay. This is a guitar upon which Randy Bachman wrote, Taking Care of Business. Wow. Which, and many of their hits and recorded many of Wait, them. Wait, is he BTO? Bachman Turner Overdrive as well as the Guess Who. That oh, was over shit, his dude. The yeah. Guess Who rules, man. Yeah. Fuck yeah, the Guess Who rules. Yeah. So Bachman purchased this guitar, which was his most cherished guitar at the age of 20, around 1963, with savings that he had accumulated from lawn mowing and snow shoveling. Wow. And throughout his career, says he routinely chained the case to hotel room toilets to keep it secure. On the day it was taken from his room, he left it unattended for five minutes. And in that time, it got stolen from him. I mean, this is where all those stories come from, where they're like, literally don't turn your back on your guitar. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The model, a 1957 Gretsch 6120 with the Bigsby and Black D. Armands, is much sought after among collectors, incredibly rare. Only 35 were made in 1957. Really? He, dude, this is the craziest part about all this. Since then... He has bought twelve more of that of those thirty five, and, and admits that it coincided with a midlife crisis. Yeah, that's fair. "Quote: I enter I enter my midlife crisis with this on my mind, and I buy every Gretsch that gets offered to me. I ended up with three hundred and eighty five Gretsch guitars. No, yes, 
Whoa. Randy Bachman owned the most Gretsch guitars on the planet to the point that he then since went and sold them all back to like Larry Gretsch or whatever his name is right. for the Gretsch Museum. The dude has gone way off the deep end specifically because he was never able to get this guitar back and he was always searching for the one. So, wow. So once he got the one back, then he, he still rid- doesn't have it back. Check this out. Oh. So powered by this obsession, the Guess Who and BTO man famously amassed the world's leading collection of vintage Gretsch instruments, an array that now populates museums. And actually, Gretsch themselves for years have gone to him whenever they'd want to like reissue or or rebuild an old model. They'd be like, hey, can we borrow your guitars, even though we're Gretsch, because you have all of the good ones? Right. Like Randy Bachman himself. That's so cool. In 2020, some 44 years on from the theft, and this this is all still ongoing because of COVID stuff. Uh, he says he'd given up hope, but he received an email from a neighbor. He lives in White Rock, someplace in Canada, who believed they had located the instrument. Now, this is crazy. The neighbor had retooled facial recognition software to look for wood grain matches Mm-mm. and turned up a YouTube video of Takeshi playing the instrument. What? The dude made fucking guitar recognition software. It makes sense when that you he think applied. about it. Oh, totally it makes yeah. sense when you play. Not that I would have ever thought about it. I would have never come up with that idea. But this guy that Randy Bachman didn't know was just like, hey, by the way, I wrote some software to find your fucking guitar, and then I did. Dude. Yeah. Because so it's, it's, in, like, like it's a, in like videos and stuff from back in the day. But like like they, so they captured like the certain wood grain in like a rectangle shape or whatever, and then they were like, and then, for this. And then used a, an algorithm to search all of YouTube for, and I'm probably, I'm guessing like Google Images, and I don't, I don't know. There, there are not many details about that part of it that I was able to find. But the dude basically took facial recognition software and retrained it to look for wood grain patterns on a fucking Gretsch and he found it and it worked. (laughs) So the two set up a video call before Takeshi showed him the Gretsch. Now he's set to be reunited uh, with the instrument on the stipulation from Takeshi. He can trade it for a sister model of the same year finish and spec. See, I was going to ask, like, at that point, do you just give it to him or do you try to sell it to him? Like, what's the thing? Because when you buy it, you don't know that it's necessarily He stolen. had no idea. Right. Yeah, right. So I, I think he did the right thing because he is a professional, active guitarist. Right. It, that, was, that had become basically his one of his main instruments, if not his main instrument. You need something to fill the gap. But it, obviously, like I said, Randy Bachman bought 12 more of only the 35 that had ever been made. So he's got... He's got the one to give to him. Searching for the one. And I watched a video where Randy Bachman was talking about it, and and he was playing the guitar that he is giving to the guy. And between to you and me, we would look at it, and we would never know the difference, right? right? It's like the same color. It looks fucking identical, but because of the wood grain pattern. And he said that, and Randy Bachman said, he's like, the second I saw a picture of it, he's like, oh, I know. That's it. Like, I know that that's the one. Okay. Would you, okay, if if someone stole your P-Base, let's say, would you, and like, and then you don't have it for... We'll even just say five years. Do you think you would know instantly that it was yours? I would I would like to think that I would. Yeah. But realistically, I mean, come on. It would like, be hard, right? It would be hard. And, you know, you get used to playing something. So, like, let's say I replaced it with a reissue, like a 60s mm, reissue. I see where you're going. I'd be like, oh, this is what it feels like now. And mm-hmm. then I would just get used to that. And then exactly. I'd play the old one again. I'd be like, I don't know if this was actually is mine. Is this right? Yeah. You know, mine has some really specific things about it that I would know. Yeah, I guess if maybe there's like a, a ding or a chip in one spot right. or whatever. But if somebody else played it for five years, who knows what could have happened to it in that amount of time? That was the other thing. I'm glad Se- you said even that. Even setup wise or strings, even if right. it had different strings on it, it would feel different. It would feel different. He said that he, uh, he, that whoever had the the guitar like in the interim it. must have kept it. Wow. Like and babied it because yeah. it looks 
this there are no there it looks you know like it'd been sort of played but it, there are no like new wear patterns or anything which you know now that i think about it i feel like you don't really ever see that on old gretches anyways like i've played a lot of old gretches and yeah. they do you know the, like the binding will flake off or yeah. but you don't i don't feel like you see like the big wear pattern they like don't wear do like a, a stratocaster or, 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 or strat right yeah, exactly that's interesting i didn't really consider that yeah that's a good point man yeah would you be able to tell no absolutely not well okay so like your your les paul for instance like you've had it forever yeah but there are a lot of beat up les paul customs right i think to your what you were saying about the feel thing i think if i saw it i might not know but if i picked it up then i would know because the neck has a very specific sort of skinny feel that i like kind of like balance to the weight and stuff yeah and i would and i wouldn't but yeah i i don't i don't think so because it's a it's a black beauty like there are many black beauties with the same wear patterns and stuff that mine has so it's like right it would be really tough sometimes dude you i mean we send the guitars back and forth all the time you sent me a black beauty a couple days ago and i was thinking like huh that looks just like it does you know what i mean so it's like (laughs) i don't i don't think so i don't think i'd be able to just look at it and know but i guess that's different than like randy bachman has spent 45 fucking years hunting this thing down too like I, isn't that I, crazy know. though it almost becomes an obsession at that point and then you're like okay is this really it or what if this guy i mean i'm not saying this did you latch on to it like why are you so latched onto it but he yeah. said he said that it's like wow he, but he still hasn't played it so i don't know i hope it sounds as i hope it's everything that he he wishes for you know what i mean like how big of a letdown would that be you've dedicated your He's whole just like, fucking life and it's yeah. like oh i'm i like the one that i just gave you better you know, it's possible. It is definitely possible. I mean, look, I think at the end of the day with instruments, you become bonded to it because you play it over and over again. Mm-hmm. But if that thing, if that bird flies away, it might never be the same, even if you get it back. If you, you love know? something, let it go. You and know if what it they comes say? back, then it's meant to be. That's right. One last thing before we get to my favorite segment. Uh, and I just want to, I don't want, we don't have to get too deep into it, but I do want to let our listeners know that there is a new trailer out that you sent me for the Beatles get back oh, dude. their new movie, which yeah. I did watch the trailer, even though I'm not a trailer the four boy. minute trailer. It's a four minute trailer for it's like a four part special. Now I right? got chills at the end of it, dude. It's it looks incredible. When he starts I mean, playing, let it be. And I'm like, oh, man, well, what do they dude. say they there was like 52 hours or something of never before seen footage that I didn't like they had they had allowed a crew to come in and film them the whole time they had to make this record. And I didn't realize that they only had three weeks to make the record. And it was right. this like time sensitive. I didn't thing. know that either. And they had a show scheduled. Exactly. I didn't, I didn't know about all this. So uh, it's dude, it's, it almost kind of feels like the last dance. Yes. You know, like it's yes. like the bulls were like, hey, we know that this is our fucking swan song. We're going to let people finish. Ooh, I wonder if shit. they'll do the timeline thing where it goes back, jump and forth back and like forth, that. which is your least favorite. You, you no, I, I like it when they just tell you. Yeah, OK, on. I see. Yeah, sure. yeah. I get a little lost when it's like, oh, all what of a was the one that I was just watching where it was jumping back and forth and they used a literal timeline and they would show that, like well, last zoom dance did back. Last, last dance. dance did, did there was another one that yeah. I just watched. I can't remember what it was. I watched so many yeah. documentaries. Dude, do I don't know. Oh, my God. Hank's all day, every day. Just they're usually not music docs because I leave that to you. But all. Do every day I pretty much watch it. I love docs. They're the best form of movie. Let's be honest. I, you know, I would. I think young me would have scoffed at that, but mm-hmm. old me, I agree, hundred percent, man. I just love to learn about and, and because it's still art. You know, it's still uh, someone's vision in the way that they take, they put the music in, and they they use their cameras, and and so there's still that aspect of it. But it's telling a true story, and I just, there's just so many things about this earth that I want to know. And so if you can com- combine real some real facts. With some artistic presentation, I'll watch it every time, buddy. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way, man. I mean, I, obviously, I do the the docs thing every week. Yeah. But what my favorite documentary is watching somebody be the best at what they can be. It doesn't yeah. matter what it is for your race car driver or a boxer or whatever. Oh, you know, man. it's we can talk race car drivers all day around yeah, here. Man, I know, I know. I'll tell you, dude. Uh, that's why I like 
like I don't like reality TV, but I will watch any competitive reality show because all it is is yep. people who are great at something doing it in a high pressure environment and 100%. it's fucking my favorite thing to watch. Uh did you watch Bad Sport? The race car one I've, where he, he was transporting uh, marijuana. I have not watched that one yet, Very uh, good. but I've watched because Bad Sport's a series now. So I series. have watched at least one or two of those. There, I think oh there was the one about the uh the Danbury uh trashers. The uh, yes, the, the hockey team that was great which was man. about the like the real life soprano he, family. Yeah, he sold the hockey team to his seventeen year old son. Yeah, he bought he, he bought, bought them it a fucking for him as a basically gift. a minor league hockey team. Yeah. He's seventeen, and then and, and he, they had an arena and jerseys and oh, everything. They were they got legit. popular, and he got and it was during a, an NHL lockout, so he was able to get some yep. like NHL players on. And the that team. was just by chance. That exactly it happened at the same time, dude. That was a really good one, especially because like if you're a fan of Sopranos, it is what that show was based mm-hmm. on. Yep, like the dude is like this new jersey Tony guy Soprano. has a fucking garbage company the whole thing yeah and and then and his son who was both into hockey was also both into hockey and professional wrestling so he yes. turned them into this like you're right basically wwf team one of the best sports documentaries it was very good absolutely bad sports a good one yep you know what other documentaries we're going to talk about i don't know you're gonna you're gonna spoil you're gonna actually i think i might know but it's you still might either know. way it's a surprise for everyone else because now i'm gonna say my two favorite words that i get to say Every week. He's a super freak. Oh, super freak. Yes. He's super freaky. Yow. Dude, tell us about Rick James. So there's a documentary out there. Yes. It's called Bitchin'. That's the Bitchin'. name of it. Bitchin'. Yeah. Is the name of the Rick James documentary. Uh-huh. You gotta watch it. That's the it's on Showtime. Yes, I believe yes. so. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was I was scrolling through my apps and I was like, you know what? Maybe I should watch this, but I would rather just Dave tell me. About if you it. have access to it, I've got watch it. it. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's called Bitchin' the Rick James story, perhaps. Dude. So, I've re- I think I feel like a lot of people know, like you know, about the whole like the kind of the dark side of Rick James and like the whole like he got into crack cocaine. See, and, I don't like, really know stuff. that much. I'll be oh, honest. really? Yeah. Okay. So, because all I know is that Tales from the Tour Bus episode. Which I, I never watched. Yeah, and they did a Rick James one, but it was really just focused on kind of the negative stuff. Mm. There was some amazing things that happened early on in his career and his life that led him to become this like superstar. So give us a little bit of a high level. He's a, he's a bass player, right? No, that was the thing. He was a singer, but they never really talk about how he got into playing bass. Really? He played bass. Yeah. On all the records. Yeah. And he became a bass player, but they never once showed him like practicing wow. or learning this instrument. Yeah. And I think what that comes down to is a lot of people just, he just believed he could do it and he just did it. Oh, man. I mean, they never showed him, you know, in the wood shop, you know, working with the band yeah. and practicing and all that stuff. All the hours that I've ever put into an instrument, he you never did. You don't see that. Ever. Um, it was it was literally, they called him the uh, the Pied Piper of Punk Funk. Cool. Which was uh, kind of his own style that he came P-P-P-F. up with. PPPF. Yeah. Uh, from Buffalo, New York. Um. When he was a kid, his mom would take him to a psychiatrist because uh, he was like too smart. No like kidding. they didn't understand him. You know, it was probably some form of like OCD at the time. But like, when was he? Was he born in like the fifties? I don't. Yeah, he was yeah. born in like fifty three, I okay. think, or something like that. No, I'm sorry, he was born in like forty five. Okay, so, so even earlier than that. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, there was all this crazy shit. Obviously, he was inspired by like Bo Diddley, uh-huh. who wasn't. You know, that was nineteen fifty three. Um, listening to tons of jazz stuff like that. He uh got. I don't know if he got drafted or signed up, but he went to, he was supposed to go to the Korean War. So uh-huh. he went, he joined the army and he was like, fuck this dude. Yeah. Like, I'm out. So he moved to Canada. Wow. Okay. And when in Canada, Toronto specifically, 
Um, Shout out to our Canadian. This listeners. is a crazy story. I got to read this because I wrote this down. I actually had to pause the film and like and like make this note. He was in Toronto checking out the music scene in the mid '60s. Uh-huh. So you got kind of that mod rock, kind of the Who and stuff like that inspired, sure. but it's Canadian scene. And he's like, "Well, I'm in Canada, thinking like, you know, white folks are like, you know, they're everybody's cool with like black people up here. Like this is cool, yeah. right? Not necessarily. He gets jumped outside of a bar. Whoa." And he's up and, uh, you know, they're calling the N word and it's, it's super racial. And then these guys come to his rescue. They actually like beat the shit out of these other guys who are beating him up. That turns out to be this band called the Hawks or also known as Robbie Robertson in the band. What? Yes. No way. Robbie so, Robertson in the band saved him from getting jumped. Yes. That's fucking crazy. Yes. So he ends and up awesome. And he ends up like playing with those guys and hanging out with them. And stuff, really? Right? Yep. So he was already a musician at this point. Well, that's the thing I don't understand. They never really crossed the line of like when he became a musician. Mm-hmm. He was always just this character, right? Okay. He was always just this like interesting person. Yeah. He fronted a lot of like white bands. He was like the one black guy in the wow. band. So it was really interesting that in, especially in that time period. Right. And um but he they never talked about like his musical background. It was it, hmm. I thought that was an interesting take on the on the film. And um so then he's in the middle of like, you know, so Joni Mitchell and like Neil Young are huge at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, a fellow Canadian Neil Young, uh, he records in a band called the Minor Birds, mm. which Neil, which was Neil Young's first band. Wow, before okay. Buffalo Springfield. Yeah, yeah, dude. Rick, so, so Rick James was in. Rick James Neil and Young's Neil Young band. were in a band. They have a record, and they played some of it on the film. And I'm like, I have to have this record, dude. It's so good. I want to listen to this. It's so cool. Um, so that was fucking cool. This crazy thing happens where he gets basically he gets called. Oh, they go to um, they go to Motown. They get signed. Mm-hmm. That's when they make the record with the Minor Birds. Um, While Motown's still in Detroit, I'm assuming. Yes, in Detroit. And uh, then he gets ratted out that he's a, dra- a draft dodger, which he technically was, right. right? So he ends up going to the brink, you know, goes to jail for four they years. They throw him in the brig? They throw him in the brig for four years. What? Four years. Holy shit. So he comes out. So this is the 60s? Yeah, this is like the early, mid, mm-hmm. the mid-60s, yeah. So he probably comes out in like the late 60s. Yeah. Then he, so he comes out and he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I knew these guys in Detroit. I'm going to go hang out in there. It's not the same thing. So then he goes to California and that's where like Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young is happening. So he meets back up with Neil. He tries to. He auditions as their bass player. What? Who ends up, uh, I forget the guy's name, but they they end up getting that other bass player who plays on the the first, on Deja Vu and like. Oh, I want I can't think of who that is. Shit. Fucking amazing bass player. Yeah. But he gets the job instead. So now that they don't and that's again, like that's what bothers me. I'm like, they didn't talk about him learning how to mm-hmm. play bass. I don't know how he just Did he have a bass in prison? Like how is this? I happen? don't know. Yeah, maybe he practiced every day. That's I don't, crazy. I don't know. So that, that seems like that should be part of the story. Right. And it wasn't. Yeah. Now check this out. So then he's in LA and he's like, he's still this like character, right? And he's like, he's got all these people around him. He's going to these LA parties. He's, got a, he's just one of those guys. He's got a lot of charisma. And now people we're talking want to be around him. We're talking late sixties. We're talking um uh canyon um laurel canyon laurel canyon that whole thing he's his girlfriend was one of the women that was murdered in the manson what holy shit this is like forrest gump it's like everywhere he goes there's like some sort of shit i literally last night i was like no this is crazy if you could have transplanted a person in the middle of shit and like had everything revolving around him so then that happened right so he's like fuck this uh he's gonna start dealing drugs and then he starts listening to Bootsy Collins and Parliament uh-huh. Funkadelic and all that crazy shit. All that kind of like early, early funk that's mm-hmm. coming out. And uh, he decides that he's going to, you know, start his own thing. And he does. 
and uh, he starts his own funk band, but he called it punk funk. So mm-hmm. it's like it's like heavier funk, like more emphasis on the one, which is really what you know James Brown was doing in the yeah. first place, you know. But um, really cool footage. Uh, he's playing a '66 P bass, oh. which I never saw him play a P bass. It was always is, the is it blockies? No, it's a the, no. They never did blocks on the P. It was a sunburst P. Oh, bass. it was Standard only blocks in the on the jazz, jazz bass. Yeah. Okay. But um, dude, it was just it was funny to see him playing that because I've always seen him with the white Rickenbach. Yeah, right. Exactly. Thing, That's know? what I picture. Yeah. Cocaine white. Cocaine white. Yeah, I mean, and that was that was kind of the the whole thing that I thought was interesting about mm. the early part. I don't want to talk too much about the late stuff because it gets pretty dark and he gets yeah. into crack cocaine and all that. But I will say this: I didn't. This is crazy. And for the time when Super Freak came out, mm-hmm. they did a tour for that for that. Song, so that's that like record. early seventies. I think at this point it was. Um, no, I think this was like late 70s early 80s okay all right like, this might be like 1980 or something like all that. right he made 40 million dollars on that tour holy shit and that's in in 1980 yeah pre-inflation numbers right there Bro. oh my god so like you know i i mean i knew look i had no idea he was that big yeah like either. to be able to make that much money on a tour like yeah oh like my i'm god. like did the police make that much in 1980 i don't think like, so so anyways I thought that was fucking amazing. Um, of course, he got screwed over by his record label mm-hmm. and all this stuff, you know. Well, so I know you don't want to talk about it too much. So I, yeah, I don't yeah. really know the deal. They're like, did he did, did he die from cocaine? Like, what's the what's what did what happened there? Uh, no, he lived until like two thousand four. Okay, so he um, he he lived through the addiction. Yeah, and the crack well, he, and all he's that in the stuff. famous you know Dave Chappelle skit with the oh, I'm Rick James bitch. Right. He was actually in that. That's so that was right. right before he passed away. Okay. Um, no, I, he must have gotten clean at some point. Mm-hmm. You know because. Does the documentary follow through his whole life? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But again, like they leave out pockets of like the things I want to know about, like yeah. when did you rehearse ba- like when did you pick up an yeah. instrument? They never talked about that. But did, and I'm assuming in the footage that they showed it was other than that 66 is mostly him playing the Ricky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's playing the Rick. Um Oh, actually he played a Music Man. Oh, really? Yeah, uh the Stingray? Yeah. Yep, he had the Music Man Stingray. Th- I think third time we've said Stingray today. <laughs> there he is. Shout out Stingray. Um, dude, How does Stingray cool. not have a fucking Stingray, by the way? Jeez, we got to make sure that he gets one of those. He just bought a fretless, too. By he the did way. just get a fretless. Well, well he already had that sweet old neck. He had the old neck, which I want. And he's got my weird old Aztec bass. <laughs> oh, yeah. How come he's not playing that thing every day? Because <laughs> it'll fucking break his it's back. A, it's, it's like 45 It's pounds. holding the boathouse down <laughs> in Lake Michigan. Um, anyways, the two last things yeah. to say. He produced... So the Temptations were obviously big in the 60s mm-hmm. and even part of the 70s. He released a single for the Temptations. He produced. So he was always working. He went back to Motown mm. and he's like, I'm going to produce for you guys. And he did this Temptation song, which I didn't write down the name of it, but it became like a hit, mm-hmm. you know. And then he produced Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. Really? That big Dude, Eddie Murphy hit. Great song. I just want to party, party all, all the time. time. Yeah. And when you hear it, you're like, oh shit, this is such his sound. That like, sort of syncopated punk funk thing. Just, yeah, exactly. So I thought that was fucking cool. So from your perspective as a bass player, was Rick James a good bassist? Absolutely. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, I didn't see him like, go, he's not a virtuoso, but I think as far as like holding down the line and singing at the same time. Which I know that you do the same thing. Yeah. There. That's, that's a whole other art to itself. It is. It's 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 a crazy... Uh, rhythmic thing going on but yeah i mean um absolutely yeah mm-hmm. it was absolutely a fantastic bass player which is again my fifth time mentioning it i'm disappointed in how they never got into like him playing bass like wow, they never yeah. even mentioned it really right. there's just like photos and footage of him playing bass and it kind of goes back to that idea like oh well if you're not good at anything just pick up bass you know like if you're not yeah fuck that yeah i mean like, i like to joke about that but no everybody jokes about not it true no it's not true at all but it, it doesn't offend me like i'm yeah. like you know whatever i've played bass forever but my point is he's like 
They never talked about it. They were yeah. just like, oh, all of a sudden he just has a bass. He auditioned to be the bass player in Crosby, Stills, and Nash. That's so interesting to me because, I mean, obviously we view these documentaries through the lens of being gear buds and, and, and these musicians. But yeah. I still, I have to, I would have to think that there would be value in that for even the lay person that isn't mm-hmm. a, you know, die, die, die hard musician, right? It, I, they, they literally never once were like he picked up bass like that's when he started playing bass because like, i feel like even even if you're not a musician you still know that there's a difference like you'd still be interested to know why he didn't like because he was a guitar singer. for some reason yeah he was which a is singer like, the whole time if you're a singer like usually the common thing is to play guitar with that so it's like where sure. did that happen right that's interesting to me now i definitely need to watch this because yeah. i, I want to see what if what's what the fuck's going on with that um, overall did you let you did would you say it was a good documentary oh fucking awesome yeah yeah fucking um is it and are there a lot of interviews with him like no archival no it's all like um bootsy collins is in it ice cube is in it um it's a lot of a lot of luminary musicians people who were inspired by his music Mm -hmm. you know uh throughout the whole thing uh the funny thing was he always hated it's probably the last thing i'll say about it he always hated uh, the idea of sampling music and putting it into hip hop songs or rap songs. Really? Which was. He gets s- still sampled all the time. MC Hammer, can't touch this. Ding, 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 ding. So ding, there's a ding, funny ding. part about MC Hammer just being like, there's a funny little clip of him like back when the song made it, mm-hmm. just being like, man, because he knew that like, he's like, man, Rick James better be happy. He made more money on yeah. this fucking song than he ever made on the song when he of wrote course. it. Which, by the way, Super Freak was a $40 million tour. Yeah, right. So, but MC, I mean, that was one of the biggest hits of all time, of the MC all Hammer time. song. And you could put that on right now, and it's just, it's going to knock the walls down. And his, uh, and his estate will make money on it. Yes. Wow. So, um, I, I did he say why he didn't like it? He just, he didn't like people just like sampling music. He just yeah. wasn't into that. He was like, come up with your own ideas. Sure. You know, and that's fair. I, I, get, I get that artists, to an extent. So at the time that it happened, and you know, look, at the time in the early 90s, he was probably on like the the darkest of yeah. ages, like with his drug abuse. And Which is, God, that's kind of fucked up when you think about it too, because you know, a lot of these guys you hear about, they like drain all their savings and they hit rock bottom. Well, if he's still got money rolling yeah. in, there's nothing that's going to stop your fucking drug addiction. No. You're just going to keep buying drugs all the time. Right. Usually it's like you spend it all and you end up in a motel and you're like, how did I get here? Exactly. Where he has estates and mansions. Right. And like, so he, so he must have just been wealthy throughout his whole life yeah. at that point. Yeah. Were the, other than Super Freak, were there any other songs that I know? Like, did he have any other big yes. hits that like uh, are sort of? I mean, obviously you mentioned the Eddie Murphy thing. No, uh, no, he, he, he had his own song. He had um, God damn it, he had another hit that was really, really big. Yeah, yeah. and it was always just under Rick James. It was mm-hmm. never like with a band. So or the band like was that. called. Um, oh, this is cool. They have a great name. The band was called uh, the Stone City Band. Nice dude. Stone City Band. Rick yeah. James and the Stone City Band. And actually, a lot of the members from the band are throughout the movie doing it. They're in the in the movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Current and that's so it's on Showtime. Give us your totally arbitrary ranking. What do you what do you got? Um I wanna say I'm gonna give it a strong nine out of ten. Whoa. Super freaks. Dude. Yeah. It's that fantastic. Is, that is a that is a big and, ranking for Well, here's you. the thing. It gets a little bummery at the end. Yeah. You know, that that happens with these documentaries. Yeah. I'm used to that. For me, it's all about the buildup. This mm-hmm. whole thing with him meeting Neil Young and meeting members of the band. Right. Like Saving just him from getting being jumped. in the right place at the right time, that shit blows my mind. Yeah. It almost sounds like it's not even true, you know? Yeah, the way like I, I was not expecting all these little tidbits to have jumped out that me you, too. That you're and that's what I always try to get some takeaway from these documentaries. And that was the big takeaway mm-hmm. for me was like how you know how uh, famous he fucking got through just meeting people. I mean his girlfriend being in the Manson murder. Like what? 
Like, seriously, like that. I'm not. That feels like like real life force. Like force gum. That's what I was thinking last night. I'm yeah. like, this is insane. So, Damn. Um, nine out of ten super freaks. Dude, bitchin, Rick James, bitchin, check it out. Bitchin review, man. Wow, I Boom. can't wait to watch that one. Check it, man. There's so many, and it's and I and I like I said, I was going through my list last night. I saw it on Showtime. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna wait. Yeah, but yeah, I'm. I'm I do like when you, if you watch one in advance, yeah. we can always talk about it. Together. That's true. I and and I do enjoy that too. But this one, I feel like, as, especially yeah. as a bassist, I wanted to let you have your time to shine yeah. on that because this was like right as up your alley as these things tend it to. It was. I I will not be waiting to watch Get Back when that comes out. Oh, dude, we're we are, we're gonna just do a whole episode about a whole that, episode. I think. So yeah. get ready, people. I hope you love spoilers. That'll be our Thanksgiving spoil uh, the shit out. Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> we're gonna get together, cook a little turkey. Yeah. Fucking watch some Get Back. Yep. Some oh, stuffing. Man. All right, here we go. Let's get into future gear. I've got a bunch of stuff here. So uh, normally, I've got, I've got, I guess I have one sort of like not gear story. But so not to get too deep into it, my cat's been sick, folks. So like I, I had, I had a big thing planned for this week. We didn't quite get to it. Got some gear to talk about, nonetheless, and then sort of one story. So let's just dive in here. Oh, before we do, I want to say I don't know if you meant, uh, noticed, Dave. I finished that Lego build, and there's a little Princeton reverb. I did not over notice there. that. Yeah, Look so at that. I have to say, wow. Utterly charming. I kind of like the amp more than the guitar. The dude. amp is better than the guitar. I'm not gonna lie. It looks the, so cool. The, it's got a grill cloth. It has knobs. It ha- dude, like you build the tubes. There's a fucking reverb tank you put in there. You build the circuit board. In fact, building the circuit board, there was a technique that you I, have to build the circuit board. Yeah, I mean it's not a functioning circuit board, right. but you build an actual circuit board, and you and I and, and the and the way the amp is built is it's very easy to get to those parts. So like the top comes off very easily, the rear comes off very easily. You can see all the components. Like you, you actually wire from like there's two leads that go to the speaker cabinet. There's two leads that go from the um, the reverb tank to back to the circuit board like they they did it right there and then you actually build a cable to go from the guitar to the amp as well as the cable to go to the foot switch which is fucking sick it's a two-button foot switch too so you can do the reverb and the trim well you you were talking last week about maybe putting in a real speaker oh i'm going to i i'm just living with it as is for now because i just did it a couple days ago it fucking looks awesome and you got it on top of the basement there and i've got it on top of my basement so it's gonna live there for a minute uh, because that's currently the only fender amp that i own right now uh because as we sort of i don't know if we really got into but again been selling a bunch of stuff go check out the uh, reverb.com slash gearbuds page yeah. because got a ton of good gear in there stuff's flying dave already noticed there is a swr six by ten sized hole in it's my gone. living room no now because yeah. it's gone guy got whoever a great got deal that on got it. a great deal man yeah he's running uh, uh what was it uh, an ampeg b5r i believe oh uh, with it so it'll no that'll shit. definitely work it's kind of a rare head actually yeah um he seemed like a real nice guy so shout out i told good. him about the podcast and hey, if you yeah. guys are local check out the craigslist ads yeah you know? uh, yeah totally and i think you know what i'm gonna start doing too is i'm just gonna do local pickup on a lot of the stuff yeah. so i can have the reverb listing as well uh but yeah my page i mean it went from having like 20 to i sold like i shipped five things yesterday there's it's it's been a and as we were saying seller's market right now people just give me full price on feels stuff, good so i'm fucking i'm happy i'm happy to uh, you know i'm sad to an extent but i'm happy to be putting some cash in my it's pocket all going and back in circulation let's be it's, honest it is it always does <laughs> there's there's no way i can ever fully leave. i just have i have I, I now have i guess 18 amps and cabinets in my living room instead of 19 uh you were telling me about a deal 
Can we talk you know what? about it? We can because it did not happen. Okay. Uh, I was, I was, so ladies and gentlemen, uh, you know, Dave and I know each other intimately and I, there was a deal that I was working on that I knew was going to trigger the shit out of him. So I decided to wait and we we're going to talk about it on the podcast. Let's just bring it up. I know we're in the middle I of love future it. gear. This but is like- fine, dude. This is what this show is for. So it was, and it was a trade. I, one of the things I have listed is my camera rig that I purchased or I think I traded for last year and then or two years ago now and used literally zero times because I then immediately got the new iPhone and I was able to do better right. f- video footage and instantly on the upload to the internet yeah. right so uh, this person offered me a it was probably mid-70s lawsuit Les Paul I'm listening made by Electra I like it but bolty or neck through neck through Ooh. however it was a project because it wasn't currently wired up but it came with all the stuff okay including some gibson p90s which was the thing that made me excited however it was maple fretboard black binding black bo- blocks which if i wish you all could see dave's face uh, right now because he just made the ultimate sausage face with a maple fretboard you i it it's, it's less ball custom so fully bound up and down right you know, but it's lawsuit. And style. the color was uh, black. It was maple. Oh, the, so whole the whole thing was natural. Okay, so I, I could go a little bit in that direction if the you would have body... hated it so much. <laughs> and I, that was part of the reason I wanted it. And you I said also... it black binding and black blocks. That's right. Oh god. And and it was the Electra. So like it was pre lawsuit. Yep. So they still had the Gibson headstock. It wasn't when they had, after they had to change the headstock. Right. Uh, those it was guitar, legit. It was legit, and I and I would have been a straight up trade for my camera rig. However, the person was able to get cash that day, so like I had to wait a couple of days because it was out by Cappy's house. He was going to make the deal for me in the suburbs, on the burbs. Yeah. Uh, that because I delayed a day, the other person got it. Ca- I didn't need that guitar. I have I have too many fucking guitars right. right now. I didn't need another one. I specifically was going to get it a because I don't have a Les Paul with a maple neck and I or with a maple fretboard, and I never have. Well, you love that one. The uh, what's the Gibson one that they make? Well, there. So, oh, you're talking about the uh, the Music City, which yeah. has the B bender in it. Yeah, I fucking yeah, yeah. love that guitar. It's basically <laughs> a Les Paul plus a Telecaster, yeah, yeah, with yeah. a B bender in it. Exactly. I love that guitar, and I know that guitar grosses you out. Something God, fierce. Dude. You hate that guitar. Dude. There's just certain lines you can't cross. <laughs> um, no, but that's. I'm glad it didn't work out. <laughs> Look, I'll I'm, be honest. I'll be the first one to pick it up and play it. I know. I mean, well, and it, it was like it was an interesting one because it had this like uh, Steinberger sort of like uh, trem system with or vibrato system with it, uh, like not a Bigsby but sort of Bigsby style thing. And it, I would have had P90s in there, which again I have an SG with a Bigsby and P90s already. Did not need this guitar, right? But it, as a trade for a camera that I'm not using, I was like, yeah, I that's think cool. you would have got better on the deal. You would have been. The camera is valuable, but it's for in terms of like personal value, I would have definitely gotten more out of it. Yeah, it's this is a person that we've seriously emailed trade offers back and forth to each other like forty times oh, and okay. still have never actually ever made a deal. <laughs> uh, but so it was all fine. It was all good. You know, yeah. no hard feelings or anything like that. But I do wish that I would have been able to gross because I would have just left it. I would have had it on a stand sitting in here for you to just walk and be like, "What is that abomination?" Yep. Oh, right I would have seen it. It would have like been a eyesore. Exactly. In the room. Now. You said it did it come with an extra set of pickups or was it the it original? Did. Okay. Yeah. So, so it had a real pickups, which I don't think people really like that much. And then it had Gibson like humbucker sized P90s that came with oh, it. So okay. the reason that in fact, 
if that guitar was fully assembled and like all wired up and everything, it would have been worth more than my camera rig. But because it was basically you in pieces, like the nut wasn't even on it, you know, I would have had to do it myself, which is all work that I can do it's myself. Fun, yeah. Uh, I, it would have it would have been worth it for me and and a fun project. So it kind of reminded me that I wouldn't mind necessarily having a project guitar to work on. And Electra is one of the uh, lawsuit brands. I mean, they were all made in the same factory, right. but like it's overlooked a lot of times. You have Ibanez, totally. You, have, you know, well, Draco. I think part of it, and I was thinking about that too, is that Electra has then gone on to make guitars, and they still make guitars mm-hmm. now, and they have kind of a weird, goofy headstock shape, and they made sort of shitty guitars for a while, like, like really cheap ones, like, yeah. like Bolties. So like. I think that the, yeah, a lot of people see it and they assume that it's crap, but this guitar was a fully set neck. I mean, look, I could have gotten it and the truss could have been fucked and Mm -hmm. the neck could have been twisted. I don't know, you know, but it was still something that I was temporarily excited about for like a day. And I was very excited to just see how it would trigger you when you walked in and saw it. Just for that alone, that reaction would have been worth it. I know. So I'm sorry, folks, we didn't get to do that, but I'll try harder next time. (laughs) Let's get back to this future gear here. What do we got? We got some new stuff. Oh, dude, this is interesting. Did you know? That you probably didn't because it just happened yesterday. Google now has a guitar tuner built into the search engine. Did not know that. Yeah. So if you just type Google tuner into your desktop or mobile phone, you will now get a tuner, a guitar tuner. So it just works through the microphone? And it just works. So it's uh, basically the device that you're using must have a functional microphone to be able to hear your instrument. And you'll need to give feature permission to access it. Mm Mm-hmm. The effectiveness depends on the microphone of your device. Some uh, of your device of your device. Some devices might need to play loudly or really, really close. And smart ferns, man, my, I'm just stumbling smart over my words. Smart ferns are going to work better than computers for this purpose. Usually, yeah. unless you've got like an interface rig. Right. Uh, after you get it to work, the tuner will let you know whether your instrument is in tune or you need to inju- adjust it with a visual indicator. This built-in tuner joins other music-related features in their search engine, including. And I just learned that Google has this hum to search, which can help you identify songs stuck in your head. No way. Despite having worked on the Google search software for more than 20 years every day. And this is, I'm going to get into my search nerdiness here. I'm sure a lot of you know, that's my profession. It has been for a long time. Every day, there are 15% of queries that Google has never seen before. So every single day, there have been trillions upon trillions of google searches but every single day 15 percent of searches on google have never happened before which is a fucking wild really? statistic now this hum to search is like shazam or soundcloud or something like that except you don't need to have the music playing you, you can just hum whistle or sing 10 to 15 seconds of your earworm after tapping the mic icon in your search bar on your phone and saying what's this song or search a song you can also ask the assistant what is the song then the machine learning algorithm will identify potential matches even if you weren't using the right pitch Results will be delivered based on the tune you hummed, and you can pick the best match. Dude, I you know what I want? I want a list of recordings of people trying to hum songs, yes. in, like in the like really bad singers. Getting access to those search <laughs> results? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> doing some party all the time. So there was, I think it's, I think it's Soundhound. Used it was an app that Shazam you could, you could was do the this. original I remember, and Shazam still exists. That's now built into iOS, right? You and that's you have to have the song playing. But there was an yeah. app where I remember I couldn't think of. It was um dun 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 dun. Carmina Burana didn't know what that was called until this app, and I think that app might have even gone out of business or gone under or something like that. Now. It's just built into your fucking phone for free. That's cool. Google Home to Search. I love That's it. some future gear That's right awesome. There. Uh, some actual gear announced this week. Actually, Boss Roland has been announcing a bunch of shit. 
they put out, I think it was just yesterday, a new flagship looper, the Boss RC600. So they actually announced two. There was the um, RC505 Mark II, which I'm sure you've seen before. It's their tabletop one where instead of like foot switches, it's got kind of like rubberized pads that you do with your hands mm-hmm. as a looper. It's got sure. like five tracks, yeah. whatever. They've also announced, so there's that, which is a Mark II. It's just like an updated version of that. We're not getting into that one too much. But then there's also the RC600, which is their big motherfucker now. It's like bigger than, it's actually bigger than this. I'm pointing to my uh, Kemper Profiler foot controller. Right. It's bigger than that. Uh, so it's, let's see, it takes floor-based looping where it's never gone before, offering six stereo tracks, so six concurrent tracks, advanced foot control, and highly configurable operation, 32-bit sound, blah, blah, blah. It has 49 input effects and then 53 track effects types, meaning wow. like like the whole stereo thing that you're outputting. Uh, and you can do all sorts of processing. Um, it has a big old color screen. So it's one of the hardest things about looping is knowing yeah. which track you're on, where you are on yep. the other tracks, yep. like keeping in time with the rhythm. And also it has all of that stuff so taken care of now. So you can visualize it. Yeah. So you can visualize it. It has, um, it also uh, has a guitar to bass simulator. It has amp effects. So you can run like your guitar directly into it, loop it without using all the external processing. It's got beat scatter, vinyl flick. You can use four input effects and track effects at once. And then banks of four can be stored in each section for quick recall. I think the biggest thing is that it has six simultaneous tracks. So you can have, you know, guitar, bass, a drum machine, your vocals, uh, two more things all running into this looper and oh, then you like can inputs. control them inputs oh really yeah it's got tons of inputs and outputs Jesus. running along the back of it it has i have wrote it down it has um two xlr inputs so two mic inputs with phantom power uh two stereo line pairs and then three stereo assignable line output pairs so you can i watched a demo video where a dude had like saxophone bass guitar vocals drum machine all doing different stuff and then not only that it has all the all the buttons on the front of the machine itself you can have basically do whatever you want Mm -hmm. but then it also has external inputs for control so you can be like on the other side of the stage with other foot switches controlling it from over there or your whole band can be running through this whole thing at once it's Uh, it's the it's the the biggest most full featured looper i've ever seen i feel like we've never really like uh, dove into like the looper thing. Totally. How are you at a scale from one to 10? Where would you say you're at? at like as like a looper guy in terms of knowledge, uh, in, ter- in terms of like, yeah, knowledge plus like technique. I would say that I am maybe a six. Yeah. Uh, I have, do you have the bot like the RC 20? I have had that. The only looper that I currently own is my Kemper because right. it's the best one that I've had. Sure. Uh, I've had, I've had Digitech. I've had boss, I had a boomerang looper. Uh, I I had oh uh, the line six jam man looper. Yeah, I've had a number of them, and I've never had one that I thought was perfect. Right. I had a line six DL four, which is I think like everyone uses that for yeah, fucking yeah. loopers. Well, those are great point. for like delay and stuff. They're, yeah, they do yeah. so many different things. The thing that I I like about the Kemper is that it um it, it's the response the quick and responsiveness i think that's the most important thing is like when you like you want it to to start the second you press the button like there are some of them where it's like you press the button and then you lift off for it to to engage and then you're you're always going to be sort of herky-jerky like it's you want it to be locked in and i also think it's important to have a little bit of quantization built in because 
let's face it like if you if you're doing loops and then you one gets off it's gonna sound like poopsters and then you're sort of stuck so i bought a rc20 like two songs yeah you've ago. got the two the two button boss guy yeah the and i think most people i've ever played with you know that's kind of a good one that's a really with. good one um you know got it used on reverb for like 85 bucks yeah or whatever. that's a great deal yeah too. great great price um my whole thing was I played with it for like a week. I like I did the thing where I learning curved, figured out how to use it, yeah. and then like put it in a corner and yeah. I haven't played with it. And I, I yeah. like right now if I had to take it out, I wouldn't even know where to start. Well, there's two things. One, it's like unless I think that there's a couple major use cases for it. One, it's like unless you want to become a person that is like a looping artist, quote unquote. I'm right. doing air quotes right now, where it's like you're looping your vocals, you're looping your bass, like that, whatever. Uh, that uh, fellow we watch on YouTube, that really good. Um, oh, I forget his name. Well, there's a. Uh, uh, he's like a Swedish guy or Denmark guy, um, but he's in the U.S. now. Oh, Do- uh, Doivdas. Yes, yes. Uh, he's, he's, he's fantastic. A, he's a master of that yeah. stuff. There are some people that, again, yeah. Keller point. Williams, if you want to go back to like. Yeah, uh, or fucking Ed Sheeran is very good yes, at that yes, stuff. Yes, yes, There are some people that are incredible at that, and that's and that's their game. I think the other thing with, with this one and, and all the boss ones is that they typically also have uh, like rhythms and, mm-hmm. and drums and stuff built in, and that's very important for a lot of people, too, as like a practice. That's aid. where I, I bought it to be like, if I come up with an idea, I want to be able to loop it and then maybe exactly. come up with an idea on top of that. And this has the that. It's yeah. got like hundreds of no, this thing sounds dr- drums perfect. and rhythms and stuff. Yeah. It's expensive. It's five ninety nine. Okay. So, you know, it could be more expensive, frankly, for the amount of features that are built into it. Yeah. And I could see it becoming like, it is the sort of piece of gear that could become the center of a band or of your full artistic output. Right. right. Like it's it becomes this like hub. Mm hmm. And I think that's pretty cool. Do I want it? I don't know yet. I, w- I want to try it. You yeah. know, I've never had a, a, a giant dedicated looper that big. The thing that I don't like about the Kemper one is that it's only a single track. So it's like you you do a loop and then you can keep layering on right. infinity, but it doesn't have like parallel tracks running where you can bring them in and out. And this one does where you have like you, you can, can actually have, mix and stuff. you can mix it. And like and one of the things you like, you can either just turn it a loop on like one of those independent loops on and off with the foot switch. I'm doing foot switching sounds and yeah. motions right now. Or you can have it on uh, like a, an expression pedal so you can blend it in oh. or out, which is pretty sick. So you could write a whole song on that thing. Yeah. And the the I only watched one of the demo videos, but it was a dude who just like was clearly a master of this and yeah. he had this whole song and he's singing and That's playing so cool. sax and yeah. doing all sorts of shit with it and it was very good the thing i love about those videos when when guys are really good at that or, or girls mm-hmm. uh who are really good at the at least trout she's another one who's yeah. fucking incredible at that when you watch it it's one it's like i call it like the tony hawk theory like when somebody makes it look so easy <laughs> right. you're like oh that that looks easy i could do that yeah. and then you get one and you're like i have no fucking idea i have no i know yeah. but they are fun and and i love being able to do like half time and reverse and all that kind of stuff so boss rc 600 is out again like i said they've got the 505 mark ii that's more designed for like tabletop if you're like a beat maker yeah. rapper musician type person cool. uh that's that that's that they also put out the, a new sp404 which is their sort of like one of their landmark samplers uh don't need to get too much into that that's 499 they, basically now it has like a fancy screen they've updated some of the effects and stuff it's a it's also big and more, i would say more like the sample based hip-hop type world but i mean even like radiohead uses them and stuff there yeah. uh, you've i'm sure you've seen the sampler around there's a new version of that with an oled display here we go another piece of gear that i want to talk about and we might get we might venture a little I, I we'll see how this goes i'm not sure we might venture into some shit talking territory here because it's something that you sent me that actually our good buddy dan lu had sent me some weeks before and i never really looked at it and it is called the amonito refresh my memory it is a an all-in-one guitar amp and floor monitor 
Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Is... I got an ad for it, I You think. did? Okay. Are interesting. So if anybody doesn't know, the Amanito brings together boutique guitar effects. Okay, yeah. An incredible sounding tube amplifier, which I didn't know that it was a tube amp just looking at it. I thought it was it. just tube modeling. No, it's a tube amp. Okay. And instant switching between presets along with a monitor. So it's basically guitar amp effects, a tube guitar amp, I should say, effects, and a floor monitor. Now I recall. And the thing with this is basically it's got all everything you'd ever need to play live or like with your band or whatever in a rehearsal space. It, they say it's louder than a drummer, so it can it's be louder. Two hundred watts, I think. It's two hundred watts of the monitor section right. itself, which is loud for a monitor. It, but it's also designed to be sort of like the modern amp, where it's it's got direct outs, so like you'll run it to the PA sure. or wherever you know your recording rig, whatever it is. But one of the main issues with something like a Kemper, which we've talked about, is that how do you hear yourself? Right. Well, this has the speaker system built into yep. it. Yeah. So, it's, and it's got the tilt back thing, right? It's, it do, well, it's built, it's, it doesn't tilt. It's actually angled in construction. It's, it looks like it's basically built on the golden ratio, the Fibonacci sequence. So it looks like a, looks like a, like a fucking shell, like that, yeah. that spiral <laughs> yeah, yeah, design. Yeah, yeah. And that's part of the, the thing. So it's, um, th- here's, here's, Okay, 200 watts of pure RMS power, specially designed ported cabinet. You'll never have to worry about stage monitoring. Uh, it has a high volt voltage circuit that's centered around two vacuum tubes. So I guess it's like hybrid, right? It's like right. a maybe a tube preamp. I would I would imagine, yeah, because the 200 watt power section you wouldn't do that with tubes. Um, it's they say that they've merged the best of both worlds, analog and digital, with the addition of DSP processing, lush reverb, delays, etc. It also has specially developed capacitive touch displays so that every knob on there is it's not one of those models where it's like you go to a different preset and then like even though the base says it's on five it's actually on 10 because yeah. it's all sort of like touch screen based everything goes to where it actually is which, right, is, which right. is actually important to me that is but the thing to keep in mind is that this is mostly di based now dave here's where here's where i think we'll, we'll sort of diverge a little bit because at first i was like fuck this thing mm-hmm. because it is very expensive mm-hmm. There are two models. One is mono and uh, doesn't have carbon fiber, so it's heavier. It's like 17 pounds versus the carbon fiber one, which is 12, which is very light, by yeah. the way. So it's got a neodymium speaker, which is that light kind of mm-hmm. magnet, 200 watts, etc. Uh, the and this so it hasn't gone on Kickstarter yet. It's going to be going on Kickstarter, which is also an issue because you could pledge money and then never get this thing. Right. However, the cheaper version, what and I I say cheap loosely, is two thousand dollars. Yes. The expensive version is thirty six hundred dollars. <laughs> Come on. However, the more that I think about it, the I'm not I'm not sure so the carbon fiber I know is more expensive. That's part of the cost. At first I was thinking, well, maybe it's that much more expensive because so they're the uh, cheaper one's mono and the more expensive one is stereo. But it's not like you're getting a stereo tube power amp with it, which would add a significant amount of cost. It's it's a stereo digital setup, which is not significantly that much more expensive. Tell me your thoughts, Dave. I feel like you've got some thoughts I want to come I, out here. Well, the price is, I mean, come on. It's outrageous. Um, here's my thing. Who are they marketing to? Well, okay. I've thought about that a lot now. And, and at first, like I said, my, my initial gut reaction was, fuck this thing. I don't think it's that bad of an idea. If that's well, a great idea. If you if first of all it has to sound amazing, which I don't know cuz I haven't played it. So it has to sound amazing. You have to not have any of that stuff already. Like you have to be okay with just 
bringing a guitar and then having this be the scent, like your rig, right? Because like, if you've already got an amp or a modeling amp or pedals or all that sort of stuff, all of a sudden these things become less useful because again, this is what I think, who I think this is for to answer your question is the modern guitarist. Someone that, as we've talked about a lot, like going to direct with like maybe in, the guy who's going to use the looper station that we were talking about. That might be a really a really useful thing for you because again, we're we're going we're, we've jumped into this modeling world where like modeling amps sound very good and Kempers are being used like I saw Metallica and they just use Axe effects and they go direct to house. If if that is what you are trying to do, but then also want to have your own floor monitor, I think it's not a bad idea. Okay, let me let me just. Let me like unpack this unpack for a, a little second. bit. For yeah, us. because what I'm thinking is like, let's say you were going to do a show, mm-hmm. so you're going to have this for your floor monitor on stage. Mm-hmm. Are you you're going to run that just to an external speaker? Then you're going to run that just to the house. You're going to run that to the PA. So there's no speaker behind you, which is why you now have the speaker in front of you, right? Which is so that's the thing. It's like if you've got an Axe Effects, if you've got a Fractal, if you've got would you do that with Line a- Six Helix or whatever, you're going to run that direct to the house, and then also hope that they have a good monitoring system there for you. Well, right. And would you would you do any differently with the Kemper? Same. No, it's the same thing. So again, like if I was going to run a Kemper live. It would be hard for me not to want to then also have an external speaker right. that you get feedback from directly. Well, let's say you had a, why not just have the Kemper and then have like a, a just buy like a cheap monitor for a hundred bucks that you can put. That's essentially what this is doing, right. except it's all in one and it's like 12 pounds or 17 pounds. Right, I get that. Versus having to have like a speaker that you're lugging around. I mean, you could literally throw this thing in a fucking backpack. I guess what's you could probably put it in my, I could, I'm sure I could fit this in my like mono bag. Is it that small? It's, I don't, I mean, like the monitor has a big front pocket. I thought the monitor had like a, like two 10 inch speakers. It's not that big. No, it's 200 Watts, but it's, I, I I haven't been in in the room with it. That's where they might be able, if if it's like really a small footprint, like a super small footprint. It's not super small, but I do believe that you could shove it into like a small bag. I thought it was the size of like a floor monitor, like you'd see on stage. Like, I don't think it's that big. I think it's smaller than that. Okay. And again, it's only 12, 17 pounds. So it's like theoretically you could throw it on your back and it won't be that how much a is deal. a kemper a kemper uh unpowered is like i would like maybe two grand the powered version is maybe like i don't know so they're staying under that radar and that's but that's also then you've got to get the foot switch right sw- which this is all sort of built in i will say that in general i'm still not sold on the idea of having my full rig on the floor mm-hmm. because beer happens down there so <laughs> yeah. then now all of a sudden like if, if your amp isn't somewhere else, mm-hmm. I guess it's, it's easier. Like you don't have cables running everywhere, but if your amp is somewhere else, you can sort of have that hidden from the crowd. Whereas if it's in front of you, if anything happens to it, your whole fucking show is done. Well, and to be fair, like um, if you're playing with other members of the band, unless they each have monitors that are coming through the PA going on stage, mm-hmm. they're not going to be able to hear you. Well, they will. So you're going to, you're still running a feed to the house. So it's the same thing as having right. a microphone in front of a speaker. And then you can just have that fed to their monitors. I guess that's what I'm saying. I think it really depends on the house sound. Absolutely. It does. So that's, that's a fishy territory because we've all true. played shows. That's true for all modeling amps. Right. If you're going direct with like the XLR out, whatever, and straight to the house, going DI, that's always going to be the case. This is your that so that that's true. However, you it, like, at least your own personal sound is going to be better because right. you're hearing it from a monitor that you're used to hearing yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Assuming the sounds good, well, I'd love to hear one. Um, but yeah, for the money, I don't know. Like 
I just feel like it's, it's not very there. expensive. It's dude. not there for me. Yeah. And it's I, again, you're there is a lot of features there. It's your amp, it's your DI, it's your monitor, it's your effects. Like there is a lot there, but it's still you're putting all of your eggs in one basket that you hope. I don't know. We hope sounds good. Yeah. And so if they nail it, it, I do think that this is worth of future gear entry because. I could see, and I and it is happening. I see gear sort of moving this way, rigs moving this way, but it's still really it feels really risky to me putting your fucking full amp at your feet that anyone could destroy just by dropping a beer on. But it. I also think like of tone, you know, like you've got the VT forty sitting over yeah. there, right? That that amp has its own characteristic, correct? And you're gonna have that on stage, and you can turn it up if you need to. You can turn it down if mm-hmm. you need to. Who cares what the you can rely on your amp like no matter what the house is doing. True. That's that's I mean that's that is valid. And that's why I'm like, man, you know that's gonna be your sound no matter what. Mm-hmm. If your sound depends on what the house is doing based on this little monitor, this the seashell in front of yeah. you. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a cool idea, but it man. is putting a lot I mean, any direct modeling is putting a lot of trust into the PA and, and your into, guitar and into into the front of house engineer too. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, yeah. What if you bring that to like you know Shubas or something? The guy's like, dude, fuck you. I'm not hooking this thing up. Like, yeah. this is not the way we do things around here. You know, I guess that is possible. If Fabrice, uh, that, that was a bad example because Fabrice is the yeah, right. He's yeah. a good guy. I miss but that guy. I know me too. I got to uh, play Shubas again. Yeah, dude. But no, I, I guess I guess that's my thing. We've all played shows where like I go, thank God I brought um, both my bass cabs because I can exactly. get more sound because they're not miking me here. You know, like there's that's true. Like that. I do think that. It really depends on your project too. Like if you if you're playing in yeah if you're playing in like a loud stoner metal band, it's probably not going to work unless you're also playing big enough venues that can then support this. But if you're playing tiny little clubs that are just fucking speakers on a stick, it's not going to work. Well, and like let's say they don't want to mic the amps, then it's Which just you happen. hearing your own. Then you're just the crowd can't. You even, have to you have to be playing somewhere where they would be miking your amps at that point. F- and I don't think you could. I don't think you could angle this at the crowd, frankly. And that comes down. to to me like being like all right well now this is this high maintenance i'm this high maintenance yeah. guitar player like i have to call ahead and make sure they have this and that excuse me can you use hi my... guys i want to know what your setup is yeah. well he's not here till three you got to call back he's like, and he's gonna be thing. fucked up when he gets here anyway so he's we'll, hung over we'll from see. last night I look. I'm not shitting on this thing. I hope it does well, but I think there's a lot better ways to spend. There are a lot of question marks. I yeah, think with yeah. this sort of thing, and, and, and maybe we can get them on. Maybe they. I'd love to. to come and talk and about that's it. the other risk with the Kickstarter is that like you're gonna be ha- you're gonna have like four grand tied up in this thing. And that's, know, by the way, that's like the pre-order price. I don't know what it's gonna go. Do you know how to. like where they're at? Are they? They haven't even launched a Kickstarter. Yet. Oh, they haven't. So, which means it's still pre-production. Okay. Which means I mean I've done a few Kickstarters where like there was one amp that I got from Fryette that took me like four, three or four years to even get it and by the time i got it i already had a kemper and then just traded it yeah yeah which i think i actually traded that for well a lot of those kickstarter things they get ahead they get all the money and then they go oh shit we actually have to make these start a business and manufacturing there's always not to mention we've talked ad nauseum about all the manufacturing issues going on in the world right now so it's like you're gonna it's gonna be a while before you get one i mean i would hope if you're gonna launch kickstarter you at least have some built already they don't there's no way they do because it's pre-production it's you start you start a kickstarter so that you can afford to build all this shit that's tough man so it's a a big it's a big gamble but i do think that in maybe that's this isn't it I do think that this is the way gear is going to move, and and there will be a version of this. I will I will put put my name on the fact that there will be a version of this that checks all the boxes that we're looking for that I that I would want to own at some point in my life because yeah. 
It, it, I do think inherently it's a good idea and I applaud the company for trying to pursue it. I'm not sure yet if this is the one, but time will tell us. I, I guess my big hang up is um, the price. Because it's expensive. Hit me with the five ninety nine, and I'm like, I'm looking at six hundred bucks. I'm looking at comparing this to other options. But man, two. Well, and two we're talking about it. it's got tubes, so that's I think part of how they're sort of selling it. And it's almost like I have this plan because the next <laughs> thing that I want to talk about it also involves tubes. Let's Dave. go. And that is some new pedals from Blackstar. Ooh. Is there Department Ten pedals? Do they make pedals? They do. Because I, I know they have amps. They're big in amps. They do indeed. They've made pedals for a bit. They're sort of like on the like $100 sort of mid-lower range. Okay. These are more expensive, and they're also tube pedals. So they marry tubes with high-tech. And I'm bringing this up for two reasons. One, I want to talk about the pedals. Two, I want to talk about how I found out about these pedals. So they've got the dual distortion, the dual drive, and a boost. Uh, they don't rely on emulation. They actually, uh, each pedal has a real 12AX7, uh, which they then run at 200 volts internally, so you can actually get like real tone out of it. The dual drive and the dual distortion also have, another thing we were just talking about, next-gen DSP speaker sim. Uh, so you can run XLR directly to the house, and this does the same thing. Again, it doesn't have a speaker built into it, but... Those are 299. The boost is 219, all built around tubes. Uh, they also can run, v like, they've got an app with USB so you can configure the speakers and blah, blah, blah. I watched a video with our boy Andy from Reverb and they sounded fucking great. Like, they he did, he did used them direct and, like, it sounded very good. Cool. So, here's the thing, Dave. Uh, again, first of all, I want to try these pedals. I think they sound awesome. Yeah. Uh, in no way I'm am sold I, already. In no way am I yeah. shitting on these pedals. Two ninety nine, two nineteen. However, here is how I found out about these pedals. They were so I clicked on the link. It was in an email, and the reverb listing comes up, and it's like this nice little landing page. And there's a video. It's like a fourteen minute, thirteen fourteen minute video that Andy did for these, which he does for all these pedals. This was a paid promotion. Hmm. On the, on the reverb page itself, I noticed that there was this little thing like in partnership, and then I scrolled down even further, and there was this call out. It said, this article is part of a paid partnership with Blackstar Amplification. From time to time, reverb partners with trusted brands and manufacturers to highlight some of our favorite products we think our community We were love. talking about this last and week. And we were talking about this last week. audio. They're doing even more advertising on their site. Oh, and hi. You know what? I've got to give Sophie a special little shout out. She just came in here. She's very sick and not come doing here, so boo -boo. good. And now she wants to come hang out with us. And I'm excited about that because she's got a little more energy. Hi, baby. Hey, That's my good girl. She's so old. So it's a little weird to me that they're doing their videos in, in a way that like they've always done them, but also now we have to kind of pay attention to whether or not it's a paid partnership because once it's a paid partnership, it's harder for me to take it seriously. Well, it's 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 we didn't decide that this is a good product. We are getting paid to say this is a good product. And and I'm sure that they would say that they wouldn't partner they with wouldn't someone back something that, that they didn't think was a good product. But any time and this is a much larger money can issue. buy anything. Paid sponsorships, yeah. paid partnerships always are going to call into question your motivation, no matter who it is or who it's from. And when it's with the biggest gear platform on the internet, it made me feel a little weird. It did. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, am I surprised? No. No. I mean, I think as a company grows, this is the type of shit that starts to happen. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about this two years ago when we were talking about the Etsy sale, right? Absolutely. So we knew things like this were going to start sneaking in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't blame them. I don't either. I think this is a little bit of me just kind of 
working through some feelings in, yeah. via the podcast. No, I, no man. I don't think it it's inherently bad. It did strike me as weird at mm-hmm. first, especially because it is presented in a fashion where not everyone's going to know what this is that they're looking at. So while you can listen to the demo and think that it sounds great, which I objectively do think it sounds great. Right. Well, they were not going to, they're not going to make it sound bad. Let me put it at at you this way. Um, Because obviously you worked in marketing and and yeah, I've done a lot of stuff promotions before. So, you know, I mean, advertising costs money no matter what. And this is just a little more to have that company put this on your site. Like how is this any different? I I think as, as far as black star is concerned, this is the smartest thing. That yeah, they could do no, with I agree. Their pedals. It's yeah, a agree. fucking flooded field. Everyone has pedals. Everyone has How do a you dual get your distortion. Name out there? Everyone even has a tube distortion. Look, I just said, point. I didn't even know they made pedals. Exactly. So the th- that's uh, from their side of things. Oh, don't do not get it twisted. I think that this is fucking brilliant marketing but from on the their reverb side. side, from the reverb side, from anytime you're a content creator and you're being paid when you're typically viewed as a, an objective editorial voice, anytime that you're being paid to then now, shill for a product feels strange to me but that is the reality of youtube now we can only hope that they back this product and it does seem like they do and i do trust because i have a lot of friends there we both do that they're Mm. responsible ethical humans i don't think that they would do a paid partnership for a pedal or a brand for that like the something that's going to break or like doesn't doesn't actually sound how they're presenting it sure that's not what i'm saying at all i don't think that's the case it's still anytime that you're a you are a platform it's a slippery slope what is it's a very slippery slope you've got this editorial trusted voice and then now you're doing paid advertising it it i get worried that someone might not know what they're getting Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. You know, so I, I'm 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 going to keep my eyes on this, and we're going to keep updating on it because I feel like it's something worth looking out for and being aware of as you're making gear buying decisions. Yeah, and I mean, I think uh, going back to last last week's discussion about warm audio, and yes. you saw the ad, and, the you, were, and, and you brought it up, right. you're like, this is kind of weird. Like they've got this weird partnership, mm-hmm. like you know, it's with uh, Reverb's branding was all over the exactly. ad and stuff like that. But we could both say, you know, you own a warm uh, mic. I've heard a few. Oh, they yeah. sound amazing. Absolutely. So, you know, hopefully they would only back something that is. And, I, and I'll and i also add, I've liked every Blackstar thing I've ever used. They yeah. have their mini little they Bluetooth do a mini, amp that's, is the best mini amp I've ever yes, used in my life. I agree. I've heard that. Dan, yeah. Dan Liu also has one, and yep. he also loves that yep. thing. Yep. I used to sit in CME with that at my little podium it's and a just battery fucking shred one, all it? yeah it's battery powered Dude. and just shred all the time and it sounded fucking might be sick. one of the best battery powered amps you can buy i i have never played a better one yeah yeah i agree maybe um, i'll shove one of those inside my little fake princeton over there that would be a oh, that'd be little, so cool man we'll set up build some legos around it dude. exactly build, like a whole housing for it so that's i don't know I, I don't feel i i don't feel bad or negatively about this i feel sort of I maybe concerned. I'm not angry. I'm I'm just concerned. No, I you know? mean it's like I want to I want to I want to make the sure this is clear. To discuss this type of thing. Yeah, and is, and I do and they and it is listed twice on the landing page. I don't believe that I saw anywhere in the video them saying, "Hey, this is paid promotion." By the way, and I do want that to be. Don't they kind of have to clear. put it like a like a caption at the bottom or something the, for a second via YouTube? Yeah, but I don't know if I again I didn't I don't even, I don't even know if I watched the whole video, so yeah. maybe they did, but it was a long video, and and I just wish that I hope that moving forward they're very clear, like, "Hey, we like this, but also." We are being paid to do this right now. This is an advertisement. This is not just an. A, it's not our an opinion. Objective editorial right. review, totally, because totally. you can't. Which is what they do very well. Is like these reviews or these. Um, They're a trusted source. Maybe the exactly. trusted source. Like, like they'll be like, if you want to find a good, I've always thought they made the best demo videos. 
ever. Oh, dude, they fucking kill it. Everyone rips off their style, and yeah. I mean that's why they bought pro guitar shop and brought andy in because he was he was kind of doing it the best and they wanted his content yeah. so now they've got him and that brings us to our blue chew segment <laughs> where we talk about our sponsored by blue chew where we uh we were not at all sponsored by this but but no so. i have not taken it yet but i heard it works very fucking well. out I'll, I'll try it with um, you. next well, episode i, I do want to mention blue chew. one more thing yeah uh, just because it, it came across my mind and it's somewhat related to reverb but i will mention our our our, our i guess you could call it the uh the this the stepson of reverb at this point which is ebay mm. oh um, yeah good point they right. only charge now i didn't know this but recently they've reduced their rates it's three percent if you want to sell something on ebay dude they're so, they're fighting back i know reverb's reverb. up at like seven percent which makes yeah. sense because reverb is the number one that's right uh market for instruments and and reverb was previous they previously they were having to make changes based on what ebay was doing and now the tables the, the tables, turn, have, tables turned. have turned and i thought they used to have a ten percent um they did they ten percent they absolutely had a ten percent uh fee on vintage instruments mm-hmm. quote unquote in that category that has also changed to three percent so it's oh, the same man. if you sell something through vintage or through guitars which and is that's a significant amount of money if you're talking about an expensive piece of gear, old vintage gear man that's a lot of, yeah lot i mean of if change. you sell something for four thousand dollars four hundred dollars out of that is yeah. a lot of money so right. um don't sleep on ebay i'm just saying like i go there a lot i've been i've been sleeping on, on ebay a lot i know i know and there's a there's a real bias in the world but i think now is ebay's chance to kind of sneak in and by the way they have the same uh seller protection buyer protection policies that mm-hmm. reverb has so you know if you buy from there and you get ripped off they'll they'll cover you and they're, you know, they're not gonna competition like, is good for the marketplace so even though we are fans and friends of, of reverb i think ebay being strong and fighting back is a good thing no yeah. matter what and i think you'll find some weirder shit on ebay to be honest like weirder dude i'm gonna st- I, I like honestly i look at craigslist and reverb every day i have not looked at ebay in a while yeah, so dude. i'm gonna start going back to there's eBay some wacky shit check on it there, out dude. yep good good call i'm glad we got to that all right here's the last thing that i want to talk about today and this is um kind of a weird subject but it's something that i came across uh and i wanted to do a little bit of digging on and so i did and this is the idea of man i don't know how to say it without just getting right to it uh, getting electrocuted and specifically getting electrocuted by your gear it's happened to me a couple times got a little zap here and there well dave i have discovered that there have been a few famous deaths related to electrocution including i'll start with the most famous uh are you familiar with keith ralph no. Keith Relf was the Yardbirds frontman. Oh, wow. Keith Relf died playing guitar. <laughs> I was not I aware of this. For this. Well, it's kind of, I mean, it's, it's what happens. Well, just the way you he phrased died, it, he died playing guitar. He did. Like, he died doing what he loved, making music. Yep. The 33-year-old was playing an oh, ungrounded man. guitar in his basement when he was electrocuted on May 14th, 1976. Wow. So a little bit about him. He had been out of the spotlight ever since the Yardbirds had broken up in 1968. Uh, Obviously, Jimmy Page, New Yardbirds, Led Zeppelin, we all know that story. Uh, The blonde frontman had been central to the band's 60s success. He founded the band, co-wrote many of the hits, and even contributed wily harmonica, not to mention his powerful howl. But rock and roll history relegated him to the shadows behind, you know, Beck, Page, Clapton, etc. While those guys were all becoming big, he kind of struggled to re- remain in the spotlight he started a band uh with uh drummer jim mccartney to start a band called together then they started renaissance who did have some hits but i think it was after he left the band he also found founded a prog rock band called armageddon he was active in the 60s and 70s but who's always kind of in bad health he had chronic asthma uh, which actually did nearly kill him and then he also had emphysema but on the fateful day that took his life it was something else entirely while practicing guitar in his cellar, he stood on a gas pipe. 
Because his instrument was ungrounded, there was an electrical current going through and it resulted in a severe shock to his body and it was found by his kid. So he, he was playing guitar in his basement. His eight-year-old was son he like found him. barefooted or something? He was barefooted on a, a standing oh on a pipe. Oh my God. And, and this is back to old tube amps with lethal voltages and his guitar was ungrounded and it killed him. Uh, because the family remained so private about his death, there was actually a rumor that went around that said he had been a victim of death uh, by foolishly playing an electric guitar in the bathroom. Not the case. Not true. It was just in his basement, standing it makes on Makes it pipe. sound like he was in the shower or something playing guitar. Exactly. Come on. And playing with an ungrounded instrument with a, you know, this was back in the days before all the amps were properly grounded to yep. the walls and everything. Dude got shocked, fucking wow. died. So it turns out this isn't the only time that something like this has happened, Dave. Uh, the most famous on sta- on stage electrocution goes to a guy named Les Harvey of the Scottish band Stone the Crows. While playing a gig in 1972, Les touched a microphone that was not properly grounded due to an electrical fault, and it killed him on the spot. Really? Yeah, on stage. I've been. Have you been shocked in the mouth before? Oh, m- too many times. It sucks. Frankly, it fucking sucks real bad. I yeah. mean, there's that famous scene in. Uh, almost famous where uh, yeah, just dude gets fucking shot back. Which I think oh, yeah. that was actually that like really happened or something. I'm pretty sure that happened to Bob Weir at a Grateful Dead show. Yeah. I think that's where that um, came from. I've had the one too where um, I'm going to plug my instrument in, and the like the little piece of fat on my finger got stuck in between the quarter inch and oh the yeah, input. just like barely. Yeah. You, know, you pull it out really quick, but it's like zzz, just Zapped. that little, and it gets you, man. Dude, it's not a good feeling. It's a really fucking scary feeling. I guess um, lead singer Frankie Palmieri of the band Immure got shocked on a, ru- a stage in Russia. And then the most recent example that I could find was in 2014, this guy, Augustin Briolini, who was the lead singer of an Argentinian band called The Krebs. Uh, he died after being electrocuted. He was 21, lead singer of the band. They were doing a sound tra- uh, sound check at Teatro del Sol, a venue in Carlos Paz, Argentina, when he received a shock. Immediately received medical assistance, but they couldn't revive him, and he was, he died on the spot. Wow! So they say those faulty wires in the microphone may have been cause of the death. Jeez! So it kind of seems like we've sort of mostly sorted this out in terms of guitar, mm-hmm. but a m- much of the problem is from PA systems and not being properly grounded yeah. because there's a lot of electricity running through those things. Yeah. It's actually amazing when you think about all the shows we've both played combined, how that we're still alive. Yeah. I mean, I, but to your point, I have been shocked by too many. Like I remember singing at sub T and just like not yep. being able to get up on the microphone yep. because I was getting fucking zapped so much. And I wonder too, like sometimes it's when you're playing, like if you're touching the strings, is it is it more conductive, right? Than if you're just singing, like if you're a lead singer without an. Well, instrument? that's a, that's going to be a separate circuit. So like okay. what you're feeling from the, the microphone is is kind of. It has nothing to do with holding the with guitar. With the guitar, yeah, okay. you're going to be a, a different thing. However, so I did a little research uh, in terms of what could call what could kill you. Okay. And so OSHA lists uh, that as 49 volts at 39 milliamps, which will cause respiratory paralysis, which is I guess what. If you're going to get shocked to death, that's typically what what gets you is the, you're, you stop being able to breathe. Uh, this is a line in the sand. Uh, what people forget is that 10 milliamps. So I said that was 39 milliamps. 10 milliamps is a threshold that the threshold which will cause hand paralysis, which means if you put your hand on it, it gets stuck. It gets right? stuck, and you yeah. can't fucking pull it off, right. and then it's just going to keep pump, pumping through your body. You you become part of this live circuit. Yep, right. Uh, it also the OSHA also points out that 350 people die per year from electrocution, which is I guess lower than I would have thought, but it's still a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, it's rare that a person properly trained in electrical safety has a problem. It's usually when someone else who doesn't know what they're doing gets involved, and and that's because they these companies they don't want 
the liability. So they train the shit out of their employees. Oh, yeah. Anyone dealing. My, my dad's a lifelong electrician. You yeah. know, I've, I've learned a lot about that stuff. Absolutely. Uh, there's mandatory. If you work around lethal voltages at any time, there are mandatory classes you have to take every single year. Yeah. Like that's a thing. Yeah. We work around lethal voltages, voltages on stage and we don't fucking get anything. I like to drink for beer around lethal, getting, lethal get, voltages. Yeah, dumping your beer on yeah, it. Right. <laughs> Uh, apparently they said that government labs are actually the safest place for electrical workers because the safety training is at the best. It makes sense. Okay. Uh, there are a couple things that a, a couple sort of like rules of thumb, no pun intended that I learned. Uh, there's one if you're, if, so this is more, if you're going to be working on amps, like we've talked about this before, how there are lethal, lethal dangerous voltages, particularly in tube amplifiers that if you're ever going to work on that stuff, like you've got to learn what draining a capacitor means and we're, that's beyond the scope of us in this show right now but it's really an easy thing to do you basically just like put a lead onto a resistor that can drain it and i've and i've done it myself right, it's not right. that big of a deal Gets but if you're going to be getting in there and tinkering do some research learn take some safety courses even on youtube or whatever it is but there are a couple things i that i learned one one hand for the job one hand for the pocket Okay. Because what happens is is you're you're often if you keep your hand in your pocket that means you're not going to create a full circuit so that they're like the electricity needs somewhere to so travel. Like putting both hands on something. If you put your both hands thing. on something, don't that don't ever do that. Right. In fact, there are there are these like grounding clips you can get. There are these different things. But the the easiest just thing to remember one hand in, one hand in your pocket. That's like smart. just like Alana said, got one hand, one in, my hand pocket, in my pocket. The other and one's the other giving one's a peace sign. Giving a peace sign. And you won't be able to give peace signs if you put two hands on the amp. So if you're ever going to do stuff like that, there's no lethal voltages in a guitar or even. I guess yeah, not even a pedal, but a guitar amp. amp. Oh, absolutely, Especially like that SVT. Right that there, SVT will kill the fuck would out smoke of you. Us both, I dude. would be afraid to work on that amp myself. Well, sure. and isn't there a thing too? Like even after it's unplugged, like that's what I'm saying. So yeah. even after it's unplugged, lethal voltages are still stored in capacitors. Right. The, uh, there are many things that can kill you inside that amp. If you don't know what draining a capacitor means, look that up or take it to a trained professional. But if you are going to do it, one hand in the pocket, one hand for the job. The other thing that I learned is that volts jolts but it's the mills that kill so we're, we're talked about how there was this 49 volts at 39 oh, milliamps okay the volts the voltage will hurt you the volts jolts but it's the the milliamp part of the, of the equation that is what kills you so the volts jolts but it's the mills that kills gotcha and that is uh, i I should have probably investigated that further to be able to more deeply explain it right now, but I just saw that saying and I was like, I need to mention it on the show because it's a good saying. I almost feel like we're trolling our buddy Steve right now because you know he's going to. You know that our like fucking this. professor of engineering, Steve, is going to give us some feedback on this. Steve, and I, bring and it I, on, man. And I love that yep. because he, dude, even I remember being in AP phys- physics with that kid in high school and even still he like knew it better <laughs> than I did. You know what I mean? It just makes sense to some people. So yeah. He, uh, if, but volts, if you're ever jokes. unclear, don't do it. Yep. Take it to a professional yeah. or do do some learning. There are so many resources, books, and especially on YouTube that you can check out to learn how to do this. I, I mean, I remember the first time I ever really worked on a tube amp, Brad, shout out to former guest and best bud in Sweden. He uh, had a tiny terror that needed some work. Mm-hmm. I think he blew up like a capacitor or something that we had to, to mm-hmm. replace. And luckily enough, like, I mean, I knew that there were, things that we needed to learn but i'd never worked on an amp like that before we were lucky enough to have our buddy stingray come over and he showed us here's how you drain a capacitor and it really is as simple as like you just wire up this little thing solder a resistor to some wire and then you just hold it on the capacitor and it drains the electricity to the resistor is there a way to test it with like um and then yeah you can use them you can use a like a voltmeter or you know um a multimeter, yeah, multimeter, uh, depending on where you're from, uh, to check that. 
it's hard when so the thing that I another thing that I learned that day actually it is very hard to measure individual components that are wired into a circuit that are soldered in because they're all you know in series with each other so you, you there are chances you might think that you're measuring something uh independent of something else but without taking it out of the circuit fully you might be getting measurements from something else right, right right so that's happened to me with guitar pedals okay. i've noticed that before too so uh again like i am maybe 20 percent confident to speak on this on this topic like don't look to me as the world's foremost expert on this don't take any advice from the gear the gearbuds podcast other than if you are going to do this keep one hand in your pocket and do some research and if you ever don't feel comfortable don't do it don't do it and even if you do feel comfortable maybe do a little bit more research and then and then think again because there are trained professionals and you could fucking kill yourself just like Keith Rolf and he wasn't even trying to work on the amp. No, he man. just got electrocuted. He was just jamming. Guitar. He was standing on a pipe. He was dude. just standing. But why were you? I have well, to wonder why you're standing. Well, how many times have you been rocking and you're like, I'm gonna go stand on my couch? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Never. Oh, I don't stand on my couch. I'll stand I, like dude, on I'll my ottoman. My, I'll fucking bang my head. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you're like six foot five. I'm, I'm too fucking tall for this shit. Well, yeah. Uh, don't do that. But your ottoman is typically probably not made out of metal and connected no. to the rest of no, your circuitry in your home. Plywood and you know and fabric and stuff so and that's not a good conductor of electricity although (laughs) you technically could i guess if there was like a fucking elect like electric bolt from the sky you could probably that could probably pass lightning rod you're right i did i do know that they say that that's why you kind of want to be in a car if there's an electrical storm because you're one of the safest places the rubber from your tire uh on the road insulates you of course unless you're like making contact with a piece of metal i don't know if that's true or not but that is some that is some that is some that is some serious old wives tale but i mean when you think about insulation uh it does make sense to me that you you know you would want to be insulated from the outside with rubber because i do know that that is not a good conductor could you wear rubber gloves when you work on an amp? Would that be smart? You could, sure. Yeah, I think I think some people definitely do that. I, I still, you know, you still want to keep your hand in your pocket. And there's yeah. all even those. That's like a grounding clip that you can attach to your body that will sort of protect you from that sort of stuff. But nice. yeah, definitely just keep your fucking hand in your pocket. One hand for the I'm job, not one hand any, for your pocket. Any of my amps anytime. So. No, no, that's crazy. Don't do it. If you're if you're afraid, just don't do it. I'm getting nervous just looking at the SVT over here. I'm like, dude, imagine how much power is in that. That's thing. just because it's so mean looking. It's like a bomb just waiting to go off. In dude. fact, dude, now I think about it, and this will be the last thing we say. The guy who I sold the cab was saying that he was like talking to one of his coworkers, who's another semi-pro bass player, was saying was talking about how he had sold off his old SVT and was like one of the worst things he's ever done. And and the guy was like saying, he's like, hey, I I might have a buyer for your SVT. I was like, well. I I might sell it to you, dude. I've, got, I've got it listed at eighteen hundred, so it's not. That's a bad not a number. bad price. No, I just it's again. I just I don't want to ship it. No, don't ship it. do it. Don't do it. No way. Well, my friend, I feel was, like we've talked a lot. That was great. That might be a long one. What we'll a sode, man. What a sode. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for being here with us, listening. And if you made it this far, go make some music. <laughs>